You are listening to episode 93 of the STEM Space. Today, Natasha and I are discussing how to teach engineering in the science classroom. How do engineering and science relate to each other? What do you do with the NGSS standards? Listen in to find out. Hey, I'm Claire. And I'm Natasha. From college roommates to co-founders of Vivify STEM, pull up a seat as we discuss our experiences as aerospace engineers, teachers, moms, program directors, curriculum writers, graduate students, and friends. This is the STEM Space Podcast. Hey, Natasha. Hey, Claire. How's it going? Good. I'm enjoying uh, watching Fenya there in the background. Um, <laughs> she's just so cute. Thanks. Yeah, she's feeding herself right now. So you might see or hear some sounds of her clanging on her uh, high chair here as she throws her applesauce, but it's all good. I love it. Multitasking. <laughs> yes. So you recently wrote a blog post and it was a hefty one. Is and I've been dying to talk to you about it because it's something that we have kind of danced around a whole bunch of trying to answer these questions. So what, what is this blog post about? So I looked back and I started the entry like August 3rd oh, yeah. <laughs> when I started this idea of what I wanted to write about. And then it got published November 22nd. So it was several months and I always, I wonder how our readers like on the website feel when we switch from like five holiday STEM ideas <laughs> to engineering in the science classroom with citations and references <laughs> and diagrams. <laughs> um, but that's what it is. It's about what does engineering look like in a science classroom? Oh, I think it's healthy to have a good dose of professional development and then here's some easy softballs that you can do in the classroom. So I think it's really helpful. It's helpful for me as I process through, okay, I need to reassess, which I think is what we should do all the time. Am I still aligning with my mission, aligning with my why? Am I still on track? Because sometimes you can get kind of off course if you start doing all these activities and just get excited about a theme and then like, wait, am I doing it the right way? So I think yeah. this was super helpful. So what was the the basis of what this blog post is about? Yeah, so I'm in my PhD program and I'm studying science education. So I've started to become very familiar with how we do science learning in K-12. And if you're in one of the 20 states that have the next generation science standards, and there's actually another 24 states that have based their state science standards on the NGSS, this is a really relevant post for you because I really took a look at how does NGSS frame science with engineering. And here in Texas, we do not follow the NGSS, but there are new science teaks coming out very soon, and they are adding engineering into those teaks. So it is everywhere um, throughout all states now. I'm pretty confident that there is engineering being infused into the science classroom, but it's gotten a little messy. And that's what I was trying to like untangle in this post and why it took me so long, because you can't like Google, how do you do engineering in science, right? Like it's a very complicated question. Um, so I kind of took it back to the beginning of like, well, 
where did this idea come from? So I looked at the history of how we developed NGSS and there was this like big committee and all these people and they decided that engineering should be as important as science and the idea of engineering design. So not like engineering as like an aerospace engineer designing a rocket and they have to know finite elements and material processing and risk analysis and all these like We shouldn't do that in elementary school? We know they did not come to the consensus. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> and so they they kind of pulled through all of what is engineering and came down to these really core ideas of what they feel like all K-12 should have infused in science. And they also see engineering as a vehicle for teaching science. And so I, I un- what's your question? So uh, that is is where I kind of have a holdup of engineering as a vehicle to teach science. Is that something that you, so that's what they are saying that we should do. Yeah, it is very much through, so they have, it's a three-dimensional approach to learning. And I've read this term a million times and it has taken me a long time to understand, but basically they have these disciplinary ideas. So like content, in physical science, life science, earth and space, and then engineering. So they believe engineering has some core ideas. That's what you have to know as a student of science. But how you learn it are through science and engineering practices. So that's like asking questions, developing a model, planning an investigation. So you're hearing these words now that you reflect like scientific inquiry Mm-hmm. and engineering design. So it's like how we're doing it. So those to me are like the most important pieces and they bring them together. And so the third one is also cross-cutting concepts. So big ideas like patterns, cause and effect. So those three things come together for a performance expectation. <laughs> hey, Fania. <laughs> and most are seeing those as standards. Okay. And, and the reason I, I say all that is in those standards they're like kids will learn some science concepts let me give you an example okay we have apply newton's third law to design a solution to a problem involving the motion of two colliding objects so the content is newton's third law but they're learning it and applying it to a design challenge so that's where they see engineering fitting it's not learning engineering for the sake of engineering but as a way to better understand science. So they're not, are they saying that it is, are they saying that engineering is an application of science? Yeah. Okay. But (laughs) Finya is very opinionated about this subject. Maybe she just needs to do this podcast. (laughs) If I may translate. Please. uh, (laughs) I think, I think it's interesting because we have mostly science teachers that are teaching engineering, right? That's now it's being kind of required of, oh, it's in the, under this big umbrella. Engineering is part of science now, but is that what we need? Yeah. And so there's this big debate on Claire, just pause here. I'm going to mute you when, whenever she's loud, does that help you? Okay. All right, so that's what I get into in this post is there are a lot of critics of this approach. And one of them is uh, Christine Cunningham. She's the founder of Engineering is Elementary. And she talks about how 
this approach is really confusing to students and is not really doing service to engineering design and how it reflects in the real world. And in the post, I have this chart that, that she created with her colleagues, and it really breaks down, okay, so NGSS says, here are your science and engineering practices, but what you should teach is how these really are different in the world of scientists and engineers, like in the real world. So when we're saying asking questions and defining problems, well, for science, there's like a, we're trying to get to like building a theory, right? We want to understand the natural world. Whereas engineering, we're trying to design something and develop something. And she feels like they don't go far enough. Like she went through the whole standards and she's like, where's the word client? Like engineers are customer driven. They're trying to develop a solution to a problem in a context. And so she has a lot of issue with these engineering expectations. So like if you look throughout K-12, they have things like there's, it's called ETS, whatever. So engineering technology, define a simple design problem reflecting a need or want that includes specific criteria for success and constraints. So basically they're saying, here's a core idea. Students should be able to define a design problem. And she's like, of what? Like, you can't just put engineering in this like black box like you can science where you have like Newton's laws, right? Those stand alone. The idea of defining a problem does not stand alone in engineering. And that's where she sees a lot of issues. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And like you hit the nail on the head when you said that's not how it works in the real world, because we can't train these kids of, you know, like they're they're the same engineering and science. And then when they get through the real world, you can't be both at the same time. Like you, you're looking at a problem completely differently. And in uh, my grad school, I'm doing a research project where I'm trying to understand the piece of how do we help teachers, science teachers who have been told to teach engineering and they're, they, they're not prepared. So they need more professional development, but what do they need specifically? And a lot of that comes down to understanding the difference between scientific inquiry and engineering design, because so much of it has been in this gray area, but it's really not. It's so different. And so that kind of brings me to something that I've been kind of toying with is this idea of how are we training kids, and I've touched on this before, to solve real world problems, but to think about the skills that they have right now and how they can make a difference in the world. And that's with engineering. So understanding the phenomena is science, and that's going to help you be prepared to understand how you can then use engineering to solve a problem. The science is not solving the problem. That's understanding yeah. the, the basis, giving you a foundation of it, right? Yeah. And so I ran across this story. I w- I've been dying to tell you this, Natasha. You've been, I know I've been teasing me up. about this story. <laughs> and you're like, I have to wait till the podcast. It's keeping me up at night. Oh okay. So you've done the Coke and Mentos challenge. Yes. Mm-hmm. And tell, tell me more, because I've never actually done it as like a lesson. I've always done it as, hey, let's do something cool today, guys. And then I go into something totally different. So what do you usually do with the Coke and Mentos? Or maybe describe what it is first. All right. Well, I'm sure a lot of listeners have done this experiment where you put a pack of these uh, Mentos into Diet Coke and you have this amazing geyser explosion, right? And you talk about the science behind it. And the way I did it more around inquiry and the scientific process is by changing the variables. Okay. So you're like, well, you can measure how high the geyser goes 
that's a little messy. So instead <laughs> I give the kids a small bottle of Coke, of Diet Coke, and then I attach a balloon to it. And so the reaction inflates the balloon. And we talk about, well, would it inflate the balloon more if there's more Mentos, if there's different levels of Diet Coke? So we go through kind of a systematic approach to changing the variables and seeing what really impacts that reaction and the inflation. And basically it's releasing uh, this carbon dioxide to blow up the balloon. Hmm. So uh, is there engineering in that? Uh, no. Nope. Just science, just which science. is cool. And I think it's really helpful for students to understand. And you could practice so many things, like you said, the variables and scientific inquiry processes there. But I ran across a uh, something that happened in recent history that involved that exact same reaction. And it's a problem that needs an engineering solution. Hmm. So have you ever heard of the death lakes in Africa? Nope. So apparently there's a series of lakes in, let's see, which uh, country was that in? Cameroon, okay? There is a lake called Lake Nyos, N-Y-O-S. I may be pronouncing that wrong. But in 1986, it had what's called a limnic eruption. And basically what that is, is what happens to a Coke and Mentos, Really? So the bottom of this lake, it has some volcanic activity that releases carbon dioxide. Now we know that carbon dioxide is heavier than uh, oxygen, right? Have you ever done it where you do like the volcano, you know, the baking soda vinegar, mm -hmm. and then you can have those, that carbon dioxide is what causes, uh, is released in the reaction. And you could gather that excess of carbon dioxide that's that's released and put it in a cup and then you can snuff out a candle and it looks like you're pouring something invisible over the candle. Have you done that before? What? No. Oh yeah. It's cool. Cause the carbon dioxide is heavier than oxygen or the rest of the air. And so it sits at the bottom of a cup. If you collect it as it runs down the side of your volcano. That's cool. And then you can put snuff out a candle by pouring what's huh. invisible on top of it. And it of course suffocates the candle because it, sinks below the oxygen anyway you should try that because that's really cool yeah uh so that's what happens at this lake is that there's this volcanic activity that's releasing carbon dioxide at the bottom of the lake it just sits at the bottom of the lake and then for some reason it becomes unsaturated and that's what's happening in the coke and mentos challenge is this carbon dioxide becomes unsaturated and wants to be released so can you imagine what happens in a lake that does that? So is it like suffocating people? So it explodes. Oh. So a whole lake does what that Diet Coke does. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So scientists uh, had to use evidence because there was no eyewitnesses that survived this, Um that it was a 330 foot column of water and foam that formed at the surface of this lake. 330 feet in the air. Okay. It wow. spawned a wave of at least 25 meters or 82 feet. That was the, the wave that swept the shore on one side. And then all that carbon dioxide that was released flowed downhill because this lake was uh, above a village and so all this carbon dioxide flowed downhill into this village and suffocated everyone 
I wow. forget how many people died. Oh, uh, 1,700 people and 3,500 livestock died hmm. from this. So and it's this like was an invisible thing. Invisible, yeah. Wow. Uh, this was in 1986. Hmm. So they, scientists believe that this happens every uh, generation. Wow. So it's pretty crazy because people still live in this area. Now, here's what has been keeping me up at night. There is a larger lake that has the same type of phenomena happening, and it's in Rwanda. I should have looked up what, I can't remember what this lake is called, but along the shoreline, because anytime there's a body of water, people establish villages there, right? Right. Well, And they're thinking that it, this doesn't happen as often at this lake, so maybe every thousand years but they don't really know because everybody dies every time it happens and so there's no eyewitnesses oh but gosh. there are two million people that live on the shoreline of this lake in Rwanda that does the exact same thing and it's just like a ticking time bomb of like who knows yeah of what's, what's when the last happen. time it was and when it's gonna happen yes so hmm. people have not really figured out yet how to prevent it from happening like how do you get the CO2 from the bottom of this lake and start seeping it out somehow so that it's not going to become unsaturated and shoot this giant geyser into the air and then a flood of carbon dioxide across this village. So hmm. like real world engineering problems. I'm impressed that <laughs> I would have never connected the Coke and Mentos experiment to some like actual real world challenge. <laughs> Yeah, that's not solved yet. Wow. And so when I see these science, more heavily influenced of science, uh, STEM challenges, I'm like, okay, that's great. But what is the actual real world problem? Not just it kind of simulate something, but there's probably something out there you can use that for to solve, whether it's on our planet or maybe not. There's probably some sort of phenomena somewhere that can use that knowledge to actually solve a problem. And I really want a kid to solve this problem or somebody because yeah. it's happening right now. It could be tomorrow, you know? So how are we training teachers and then training students to be able to actually apply the science? Yeah. And I think that the other blog post, which is the framework from ASEE, which is the American Society of Engineering Education, came out and said, we applaud you putting engineering in the core curriculum in the science classroom, but we feel that it's making it more confusing for students. And it's really, con so like what you're saying, what I did with the Diet Coke Mentos was a clear scientific experiment that did not result in some improvement or design, but I can take the knowledge that I learned and now I apply it to this new context in this engineering design challenge. And there's a lot of standards in NGSS that really promote this idea, like the one I mentioned earlier with like, apply your understanding of Newton's third law to design a solution. Now, how we design a solution is very open-ended. And there are some ideas around systematic design and iterative testing and trade-offs, but there's not a lot more than that in the standards. And that's what the framework was saying is they don't do enough. And we feel like every student should have the opportunity to think and act like an engineer. And that's where um, I'm going to pull in this, 
this data actually from my advisor, Dr. Joanne Olson. Her and colleagues uh, did a research study and they looked at a whole bunch of engineering-based science lessons. So this is doing what the NGSS is asking, which is teaching science through the use of engineering. And what they found is that half of those proposed lessons did not actually have any science concepts. So it was a purely engineering focused challenge and only 11% actually taught you anything around science. And her conclusion was science is hard enough to teach and you're now trying to throw in engineering and you're doing it in a way that isn't really promoting science learning. And now ASE is saying, and we don't think it's promoting engineering learning. So what is it promoting is kind of like the crisis of you put in engineering, you haven't done any research to show that it is actually supporting science learning. I've done a lot of lit reviews on this and I cannot find a lot of papers that really prove that engineering can teach science. And we've developed some lessons and we're, we're trying it ourselves, right? We're like, well, is there a way? So you can use like the 5E model and that last phase is the apply phase. So you could take all the science and then like apply it to an engineering challenge is like one way to possibly do it. Or you could start with an engineering challenge and then use that as like an anchor to other science questions. But it gets really messy and we feel that it kind of glosses over the engineering challenge and it's just focused on the science learning. And when I go to NGSS and I look at what they consider like their vetted resources are these like amazing big units that have this like really in-depth uh, scientific inquiry with a sprinkle of engineering, right? Like it's all about focus on these big science questions and then engineering is like, oh yeah, and then you can apply it to this. And we are just like, feel that something is really missing by throwing in engineering that way. What do you think? Yeah, I totally agree. I don't know exactly what the answer should look like. And I think that's what we're always trying to solve with what we do at Vivify, but I feel like you have to keep science and engineering more separate in the way that you teach it. I don't think you can teach them at the same time. I feel like the science part is a prerequisite to the engineering part. Think about our own undergrad, right? Mm -hmm. We had a intro engineering class and then the majority of our classes were science and math, right? Yes. We would do like calculus, physics, physics mm -hmm. Um, orbital mechanics, but in like orbital mechanics, we weren't trying to solve like a design challenge. The professor's like, you need to learn this and it's important. Here's an application later, you know, <laughs> but, and, and there was often like a connection to the real world. Like my husband's teaching mechanics of materials and he's bringing in examples from the real world with like airplanes and beams and structures but it's all to, towards like you need a basic understanding of these equations and these big ideas to build your intuition that will then later help you as an engineer. And the engineering comes maybe at the end of the semester, you might do a design challenge, but it's a capstone project, right? Like that's where we really brought it all together. Yeah, I think that's so true. I feel like we would be most effective if we teach all the science like separately and then teach like a creativity course, which, you know, I'm going to harp on that mm -hmm. of how do you expand what you've been told and, you know, 
training your brain to do, okay, this problem has this solution. Well, how do you open your mind to look for other solutions that are informed by your experience, previous experiences and other questions? And then, then have a capstone project like that or a competition, like you do the Mars colony competition to where you're applying it all, bringing it all together, but it's not taught together. And I think that's, yeah, that's the main problem because like you said, I mean, that's such a great point. That's not how we do it at the university level. So why are we trying to do it at the elementary level or the middle school level? And, you know, when you get into industry, when I got into industry as an engineer, so I've did a couple of internships and one of the problems that hap- that came up my first, I think it was my first week on the job actually at uh, Air Tractor is we had an airplane that was porpoising. So as it was flying, it was like diving and then climbing and diving and climbing and diving and climbing and like, what in the world what? is happening? And I was like, oh, what would make it do that? Oh, it's it's the cutta condition. And I told that to my, my boss and he was like, what? Like, you're just throwing out words just because you came right out of college. I was like, no, no, no. It's, it's the cut of condition. It's because the airfoil doesn't know where to make the, the air separate when it goes over the wing. It, it's, it's going back and forth between under the wing and over the wing where the air is going to separate and it's making it go up and down. I remember learning the science in a class that I took from Dr. White in aerospace engineering aerospace engineering, a science course. Right. Uh, And I was like, but that's what it is. And so now you have to use the engineering informed by that science concept saying that, okay, how do I make the wing to force the air Mm. to exit at a certain point so that it's steady? And so we ended up designing a square trailing edge so that it had sharp corners where the air will separate instead of being rounded at the back to where the air would curve under or curve back over where it would separate. And that solved the problem. But Hmm. we weren't taught that way. Right. That would be a confusing way to be taught. It'd be so confusing. Yeah. Because that's trying to make engineering be a, here's the steps to find the one solution. And that is not engineering. Right. And also, if you were to teach science in a purely engineering, like project-based way, it, you wouldn't have anywhere to like anchor your thinking, right? Mm. So you knew that was from this aerodynamics class where you learned all these basic principles, you built this intuition, you understood the scientific, uh, like, how does it work? Why does a plane lift, right? You know, how? why do we need an angle of attack? Like all these basic concepts. And then when you're like thrown in an engineering challenge, like you were, a whole bunch of other skills came into use, Right. Like you're now having to learn about what materials do I need? How would this design impact? And again, you're pulling in from the science, but without that foundation of the science. So we're not here saying science isn't important. We feel like it is the foundation as well as math to any of this engineering. Um, And then I would push the idea of engineering even further. Engineering is not also just solving like engineering-based problems, but we just also think that the way an engineer thinks like the problem solving approach is something that all kids, regardless of their career pathway, benefit from like your creativity. If they, especially if you want to go into business, like we've been talking about entrepreneurship and designing new solutions through a business model, right. That can make the world a better place. doesn't have to be an engineering solution. So I think that's kind of our, 
how do we do it? <laughs> and it, and I think also I don't fault the NGSS for putting engineering because they value it. They're saying we think that engineering design is as important as scientific inquiry. And the only power they have, well, then let's teach it in a core concept or a core class that all kids have access to. But it's confusing to do that. But then where do you put it? So then it goes on to the STEM teacher. Is it an engineering elective? Well, then not all teachers or not all students will have access to that content. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know the answer either, but I think it's something that we need to keep on the forefront of discussions because we're not there yet. And I think that's what's important to communicate of this. We don't have the answers yet, but it's not this. <laughs> it's, it's and it's asking too much of our science teachers. I will say that. And that was your experience, too, is science teachers are, you know, are experts in the science content and inquiry learning and how to build this real understanding of these complex ideas and that I applaud them for because that is really hard to teach science well and now we're like by the way you should also <laughs> do some engineering with that and learn about risk analysis and designing and systematic and what <laughs> yeah well because teachers don't wear enough hats already I think yeah. they should also be professional engineers exactly. and be able to teach this <laughs> yes yeah so I think I think the big takeaway is Focus on the science, build that strong foundation. Don't dilute it by trying to fit in engineering with it. But yes, engineering is important and those problem solving skills are important. Focus on those skills, but not to try to teach the science. Is that what you would say? Yeah, I feel like there's some easy places to put engineering, but be aware of your own limitations in teaching engineering and that, you know, if it's just like a fun activity, like we just posted the elf, you know, STEM challenges, right? They're just fun. Like there are some that promote some science concepts. We can look at like center of gravity and all these, but just be clear that it's just a fun activity and you're trying to get kids excited. And it's just like, an act it's an activity. Right? I think it's an exposure to an application yeah. of science, but it's not teaching them the science. Right. Yeah. So I think just that's kind of was my concluding thought in writing all this is it's okay to have fun and do really fun, exciting engineering challenges that promote teamwork, collaboration, those habits of mind, growth mindset, all the things or intentional about those engineering practices or intentional about science learning. And we're still working on this and we're going to keep building curriculum and thinking through these challenges, but it's fun to kind of wrestle with <laughs> how to do better by our students. That's right. That's always, always our goal. So uh, if you have more questions, whoever's listening to this about this or need some pointers or you're stuck somewhere because this is the place that you've been is in between science and engineering and trying to mix the two, uh, we'd love to help you out and give you some direction from what we have researched, our research-based strategies on how to move forward. Um, but thank you, Natasha, for writing that super helpful blog post. Find the link in our show notes. But for now, STEM Space out. Thank you.